just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my, uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. It's always doubt with us every year. It's like, oh, well, the Saints can't do this because something or, you know, Drew's gone and it. I, I don't, I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't care. And I'm coming in every year to think that we're going to beat the shit. What up? Welcome back to Black and Gold BS, the irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media. Sponsorless, as always. But before we begin, uh, I would like to address our, uh, our lone listener out there. Uh, we are looking for a sponsor. So if you own a business or your mommy and daddy have a business and you're looking to advertise to a, a modest amount of listeners out there, hit me up. I'm Jacob Krasno, alongside my trusty co-host, Sean Haspel. Um, yeah, a lot, of, uh, a lot of Saints podcasts this time of year. They're probably uh, hurting for content. We all know that Saints Happy Hour pod never is because they're fucking crazy over there and we love them. But... Uh, we were able to circumvent the content problem by just not talking about anything all off season, and uh, That's right. now we're behind. Playing the long game. That's right. Always thinking three steps ahead. Um, there was some Saints news this week. Alvin Kamara uh, pleaded down to a lesser charge, resulting from his his fight in Las Vegas. That was two years ago at this point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he will not go to jail, um, but he does have to serve community service. Uh, there's some thinking that this will lessen the sentence from the judge, jury and executioner, Roger Goodell. Um, but what do you think, Sean? This, this is a good thing, right? That Camara has avoided the felony charge. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. A good thing. I mean, um, I really think this is where this was heading all along eventually as the wheels of justice churned on. Um, but, uh, so Alvin is not facing felony charges anymore, pleaded out to, um, misdemeanor batteries, all one of those deals, like Jacob said, um, and has to pay the dude, uh, like hundred K plus a little bit more, um, undisclosed I, amounts. There was like a civil case too that yeah for probably right. like seven figures. Yeah, think. yeah, yeah. The civil amount was undisclosed. Um, but uh, I think I saw that Alvin bought his defense attorney a plane as like a thank you gift for Holy representing shit. him, like a little <laughs> a little prop plane. And they're posting about it on Instagram. Um, but they were obviously very happy with the outcome. Um, never thought Alvin was actually going to like serve any jail time. Um, but like you said, the judge, the jury, the executioner that Roger Goodell has molded himself into is going to now um, begin to gather evidence and review all the facts of the case before ultimately handing down a suspension presumably of some length to Alvin. Um, some people say it might be as high as six games, which would have been presumably the floor had it stayed a felony um, level charge. Uh, maybe as low as two games though. 
either way, I, I, I was honestly never that worried about the length of a suspension in like the six game area, even, even, and that's what it would be as a max now, just because the saints have done such a conscious and in my opinion, good job of fortifying their backfield this year. I mean, we talked last pod about Jamal Williams and how he could be a starting running back on a ton of teams in the NFL um, and can be that starter in, uh, in Alvin's absence, however long it may be this year. We also drafted Kendra Miller out of TCU, who um, he's a little banged up right now. What Saints draft pick isn't, um, but uh, he's expected to be full go for training camp. Um, and he's very, uh, very exciting prospect. Uh, he himself was like not so subtly calling out Alvin Kamara saying that he was coming for his job, which is, that's a big check for your mouth to write. Um, we'll see if he can cash it. But uh, between Miller and Jamal, uh, I think our running back positions in, in a good place. And um, whenever, the, I guess the question is, when will the suspension, however long it is, occur? I hope it's at the beginning of the season. So we can just kind of get it out of the way and then have a rested Alvin come in after however many weeks and hit the ground running pun intended. Um, but uh, I mean, that's all to be determined, but I think the worst is over and now we just kind of wait to see what, what kind of medicine we have to take. Yeah. I want to play devil's advocate for a second. Cause I think there's two uh, like nightmare scenarios that could play out. Yeah. One is that Goodell does decide to bone us and he gets suspended for like eight games mm. or like the whole season or something yeah. totally insane that we just get blindsided with because there is a video of yeah. Alvin beating the shit out of this guy. I mean, and he really kicked the shit out of him. Like his face looks yeah. like raw hamburger meat in some he of did. the photos. Um, so there's like no doubt that he actually like did like cave this guy's face. In. Right. Um, but also like there could be a scenario where he gets suspended for maybe like four or upwards of four games and they appeal it and Camara plays part of the season mm. and then the appeal ends and we're like fighting for a playoff spot and oh Camara has to be on the bench for four games right like that could be bad yeah um, it definitely could be bad I, for I, the, the happy hour guys talked about it this week and i think they had previously as well but I'm not that worried about some like overly draconian suspension coming down for this just because for as bad as the video was and like the resulting photos of the quote unquote victim. Cause I mean, sidebar, he arguably started it and arguably got what he deserved. Um, yeah. There's some context here. We haven't. Yeah. People don't care about dudes getting in bar fights with other dudes. Like, yeah. like the on the moral outrage meter, this isn't a Ray Rice situation where there's a video of him like beating up his fiance brutally, like or any of the other domestic violence issues um, that have popped up in in the NFL and other sports leagues over the last however many years, and especially ones with video too, like guys beating up other guys in a bar 
doesn't like move the, the, the moral outrage meter. And I mean, yes, like Alvin was by definition legally in the wrong for his situation, but um, it's people aren't going to be boycotting the NFL demanding uh, a harsh or suspension for Alvin Kamara or whatever, just because dudes beating up other dudes isn't and really has never been that big of a deal in our, in our society. Yeah. I mean, everyone will have, everyone's mileage will vary, but yeah, the fact remains that like, this has only ever been a story and it's only been in the public discourse with relation to Camara's potential availability for the team. Right. Like no one's, he's still like beloved in new right. orleans and like yes. this really hasn't like tarnished his image at all and this has really yeah. been the only thing that's he's that he's done that like we're yes. aware of that has been questionable that's also um, true he is a he is, this is a, a quote-unquote first-time offender so yeah that should be working in his favor as well and the, the context that we brought up earlier that i feel like we should elaborate on is that this guy was like the guy that they beat up was like following a woman or like inappropriately touched a woman or something along those lines. I think he was, he got overly aggressive with one of the girls, like not, I don't think it was Alvin's girlfriend, but like one of the girls of his crew and, uh, and like they made like his group, I think made, good faith efforts to tell this guy to politely fuck off. And he continued to follow them to the point where they were getting in an elevator and he tried to get into the elevator with them. And that's when the assault occurred. Um, so like, like I was saying, like this guy was like asking for, it. but I, I mean, I honestly, the, we've like given this more airtime than I honestly think it deserves. <laughs> I, I, I have honestly thought this was like a nothing burger, like ever since it happened. Um, and like now that the big legal domino has fallen, like Alvin's going to miss a few games, but I, right. I mean, I don't think the downstream effects of this are going to be that bad. I mean, hopefully I'm not a uh, cold takes exposed. Um, if like one of the, our backup running backs gets hurt and then we're like dangerously thin at the position. But as it stands today, right now, I don't think this is going to be, that impactful on the saints overall season, like let alone like Alvin standing with anybody on the team and the fan base and ownership in the league as a whole. Like, yeah, I just, it's, it's a dumb off season storyline that we have to talk about, but uh, I think, I, I think there will be much bigger things that could swing positively or negatively that will affect the outcome of the season rather than Alvin's uh, off season uh, barroom brawls. Yeah. As it stands, there's really five viable running backs on the roster. Mm-hmm. Kamara, Jamal Williams, Kendra Miller, Eno Benjamin, who people have forgotten about, but was like not terrible when he was a starter for the Cardinals last season um, and is capable of being a good backup running back. And then Taysom Hill is essentially like... That's true. He's, he's basically like the 1B running back. He's going to... Yeah. 
a good season for him and, and for the saints would probably be like over a hundred carries for him. Like he's, yeah. he is a running back. He's part yeah. of the back. And, th- and that's a great, and that's a great shout out that I had honestly completely forgotten about that. If they do need to find someone to take on some more like rushing attempts um, from uh, Jamal and, and, and Kendra when Alvin is inevitably suspended, like Taysom either like if, if not lining up as a running back, taking some some carries. Uh, I'm still very excited to see the revival of the Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams zone read package from their college days at BYU coming to the Superdome. Like they were unbelievable. Absolutely shredded my Texas Longhorns um, in, in the games that they played against them. But uh, like those guys have a, like a, a built-in history and chemistry that I think is going to reemerge this year and is going to be very successful. Yeah. I still can't believe Jamal Williams went to BYU. Like he's just, yeah. like that's like the, not the school I would picture him going to for right. a variety. It's very of strange. I mean, he's, he, he's not LDS. So I, I don't know if it was a deal where he was just like under recruit coming out of high school, but he definitely wasn't like on the same wavelength as he personality wise as he needed to be like if you go back and read his bio he was actually suspended for a full year for for having sex um as a byu student um good for you jamal good for you um but uh so i think he ended up playing like four or five years there um after sitting out a year but uh and yeah but but he came back to the team after being suspended a full year as opposed to transferring so that goes to show you like how much he, he enjoyed it there and and, but also like the type of character that he is that he's just like is willing to take an L and stick with it. But um, yeah, I mean, like we've talked about before, he's an incredible get for this team, both. I mean, I think honestly on and off the field and um, I mean, and, and to wrap, to wrap all this up, I mean, with the Alvin suspension, I think, um, I mean, his signing was, I don't want to say a blessing in disguise because we're all celebrating it uh, when it happened, but um, there's even more, added importance to, to his being on the team um, with Alvin's uh, availability in question to a certain extent. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait to see him play. Can't wait mm-hmm. for his press conferences. Okay. So we talked about the draft a little bit last time, um, but the running back situation is a good seg into it because, uh, you know, with our third round pick, we took Kendra Miller, who I – Last season didn't really pay much attention to college football outside of LSU, but when I saw Kendra Miller's highlights, I was like, "Oh my god, this guy is like a complete running back. He looks incredible. Like he's going to be fun to watch." I um, mean, in general, this was a weird draft for us because it felt like we picked all the players that like fans would get excited about and we filled all the needs we needed to fill and you know sometimes in the Peyton years like we would trade up and go get guys like Lattimore and Cedric Ellis and guys that like were like known studs but then you would have years where we would pick Marcus two firsts and Peyton Turner and these guys that no one had ever heard of that were like someone that Peyton fell in love with in the draft process and 
it's an exciting it's an exciting draft class. Like Brian Brzee fills a huge hole at defensive tackle, and he had some issues in college with injuries, and he got sick, and his sister died, and like all yeah. that stuff is it's gonna fuck you up pretty good. Um, but when he was healthy, he was one of the best interior defensive linemen in the country. Like Isaiah Foskey is sort of the anti Davenport. He's like similar body type, but he was incredibly prolifically productive and like actually like showed up on a big stage. Nick Saldaveri going to play on the offensive line. He's kind of in the, the mold of like the, mid-round O-linemen that the Saints have drafted in the past yeah. that have become absolute studs. And then Jake Hayner, our thirsty third-string quarterback. He's a hot guy, I'm not going to lie. He's a good-looking dude. And uh, he did he did get a, a just a plain ice snowball at the team-building event at Hanson's, which is a fucking travesty. But, like... He'll hey, learn. We stand a sugar intake conscious king. <laughs> Sean, what is your go-to snowball of choice? Because you like weird Sean shit. Ray, man. Oh. I mean, I do like weird shit, but but like literally since I was a kid, man, strawberry snowballs. That's 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 been my thing. It's basic, but uh, lo- love the red tongue. <laughs> I've always been. I've gone back and forth between two flavors. Uh, Bananas Foster, which is like an all-time classic, and uh, Nectar Cream, which I get made fun of for sometimes because that's like an old-timey, old-man flavor. But I don't know. Maybe some of our listeners will remember uh, the old Yield Collagen, not the one that currently exists on uh, Carrollton Avenue, but the one pre-Katrina where like Buddy D would have his like Thursday night shows or whatever. Uh, they had like real nectar cream soda and it was fucking amazing. I've never had that anywhere else ever. It was so good. And it, it kind of lives on in the, in the snowball form. Um, I've dabbled in a couple other flavors, but those are the two goats in my opinion. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with the, Nice New Orleans snowball for sure. Um, who else did we draft? We drafted Jordan Howden, safety from Minnesota, and A.T. Perry, who was like a pretty highly rated wide receiver and then slipped all the way to the sixth round. But I think all in all, like every single one of these players like could actually have a role on the team. Yeah. There's no one that seems like they are just special teams fodder. Like they could right. all be contributors. And that's exciting. That's good. Like we need a lot of young players to play special teams and, and fill in when the vets inevitably get banged up. I mean, Sean, what are, what were your general thoughts on the draft class? Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's like you said <laughs> to borrow, a, ironically to borrow a, a term from Peyton, like there's a, there's just like a pretty clear vision for each of these, these players, like the, the picks, the players and like their, roles within the team both like this season but projecting forward i mean saints lost two um top of the rotation defensive tackles um when uh shy tuttle went to the panthers and david on went 
to the dreaded Atlanta Falcons. Um, so uh, defensive tackle was like a blinking red need. Uh, going into the offseason, we did sign Nathan Shepard and Colin Saunders in free agency to kind of uh, at least band-aid that need. And, and I mean, Colin Saunders should start at the nose tackle, but uh, Shepard, he's, he's talented, but I don't know if we want to start him at a three-tech, but Prezi should slide right in there. And as you mentioned, he, he, he had a, a rough – rough go at Clemson, um, some, some flashes and, and some, some great production was marred, uh, by, uh, some, some in, knee injuries and, and some sickness and some personal tragedies. So, um, but he was also the number one player in the country coming out of high school ranked by some recruiting services. So the physical talent is obviously there. Um, but I don't think it's much of a protection. And I feel like it's one of those guys, like, as long as he like, knock on wood, as long as he stays healthy, should be a solid to good to elite, hopefully, um, starting defensive tackle for us, hopefully for, for years to come. Um, and then, uh, I thought it was interesting that we doubled down on D line in the second round with Foskey. Like we were talking about last pod, how Derek Carr to the saints. One of the things that represented was almost ownership and Mickey Loomis telling DA like, Hey man, like, you need to win this year um, for all the reasons we've outlined previously and that all of you listeners know um, there's no excuses for not winning. And we're going to give you everything that you think that you need to win and uh, a good to hopefully great quarterback who you have um, existing history with. We got him for you, Derek Carr. He's in. Um, new, hopefully, franchise quarterback. Uh, we lost some key guys in the front seven, especially on the D line. We're going to let you spend our top two draft picks on D linemen, hopefully, of our future. So, just kind of giving DA everything that presumably he thinks that he needs to win. Um, that that's what we went with. So, no excuses this year. And, and yeah, Isaiah Foskey just kind of doubles down on that. Um, Cam Jordan, how many years left does he have? We don't really know. Hopefully he's got a couple more good seasons at least and can cement himself as the Saints all-time sack leader and uh, like reach the top of the NFL career or near near the top of the NFL career uh, sack, uh, career sack list and put him in uh, Hall of Fame candidacy territory when he does retire. But uh, there's still some major question marks around Peyton Turner and if he can be a viable starting D-end and um, Foskey hopefully provides a little insurance there at the very least. I, I know Carl Granderson had some solid performance last year. And so hopefully out of the three of those younger guys, um, we can get at least one and a half solid starting uh, defensive ends to compliment Cam Jordan and then maybe take over for him at least uh, in, in a few years. So um, lots to of me, good stuff there. Yeah. Like Peyton Turner is – He's a sunk cost. Yeah. If he ends up being good, great. Right. But right. if not, there's like three guys in front of him and Jordan Granderson and probably Foskey that yeah. are like capable of contributing. And right. yeah, I'm just kind of giving up on him. I think that one, he's already like a bust basically. And any, any production he gives us is a bonus. It's a Yeah. No, no, no. And and that's kind of how we have to look at it. It, it really is unfortunate that it might turn out to be a, 
completely wasted first round pick. I mean, albeit a, a late first that year, yeah. but um, uh, yeah, just just an unfortunate deal that hopefully the scouting department learned from. We did also bring back Tano Passigno. Uh He was a he was a free agent. We brought him back on a on a short. Uh, I think it was a one year right. deal. Um, so and he's been good when he's been healthy. He has been. He also has the ability to kick inside if we want um, a little more pass rushing ability on the interior D line on passing downs. So uh, have some flexibility there. Uh, we also, we did um, going back to the inside interior D line. We brought back we brought back Malcolm Roach as well, who's obviously Louisiana boy, um, one of my fellow Texas Longhorns. Um, nice story. He's had a couple flash plays in the last couple of years, but he's really should be a depth guy. Probably hopefully no better um, than our fourth defensive tackle, but um, you can kind of see the vision for the D line, but uh, definitely, I mean, goes without saying need, need health there. Yeah. Yeah. One, one position that the team didn't really address in free agency or the draft is linebacker. Yeah. And there's been some whispers amongst the underhills of the world that, or speculation, really. Uh, I don't think there's been any sort of informed reporting that maybe we'd bring in a veteran to be the third guy during training mm -hmm. camp because you have Pete Warner and Demario Davis that are the two starters and in, in our like base nickel package. Um, but behind them, everyone is an unknown. Yeah. Zach Bond is kind of like the third guy that comes in when we move to a four, three. Um, but he hasn't really done anything in his career worth yeah. noting. He's had a couple good camps and looked good in preseason and then just kind of vanishes when, when the lights are on. Um, and then you have uh, DeMarco Jackson, who was a rookie last year and missed the whole season. Yeah. He who, got the, uh, he got the, the old Peyton redshirt freshman special. Yeah. Um, and then there's some some undrafted guys that have made some noise during minicamp. Anthony Orgy, who seems to be like the beat reporter's favorite to make the roster as a UDFA. And then Nick Anderson, who was uh, a Tulane star. But he's kind of a Sam Mills clone. Like all of our other linebackers are really big guys. Like even though we do play this defense where the linebackers run around and cover uh, Demario Davis and Pete Werner are both like 6'2", 6'3". They're pushing 250 pounds. They're huge guys. And Nick Anderson is like 5'11". And weighs like 230, soaking wet probably. So he doesn't really fit the physical prototype. Um, but if something were to happen to Werner and or, and or Davis, which right. Demario Davis has been very healthy, and we've been very lucky for that, but Werner yes. has not. And no. that's a concern. Like that is a, a, an area of the defense that's paper thin. Um, I wouldn't mind if we brought in like a, a veteran to come in and, and be like that third guy and to be a depth piece. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, like you said, uh, Pete and Demario are very solid starting tandem at linebacker but our depth is very scary uh we lost Caden ellis to a pretty nice contract in free agency from the falcons and he followed uh our our old uh d-line coach to be their new dc but um yeah zach bond kind of slides in as that 
uh, Sam linebacker, our quote unquote, our third linebacker, uh, which in theory should actually fit his skill set a little better. Um, we've always known that he was a better pass rushing linebacker than a true off ball linebacker. And that in, in our defense, that's a lot of what the duties of the Sam linebacker are. Um, that's why Caden Ellis was able to rack up all the sacks that he did last year. Um, and so, I mean, I am intrigued to see what Bond provides there. But like you said, Pete Werner missed a good amount of games last year. And Caden Ellis was able to fill in for him pretty admirably. But if Pete's out and Demario, like, knock on wood, has been very healthy, but he's old. And uh, if either one of them goes down for an extended period of time, we could be in real trouble at linebacker. So yeah. um, to say nothing of like planning for the future and like how many years like Demario has left. So, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll have many, many podcasts to talk about this, but like, I would say that after this season, like drafting a linebacker in the first or second round next year should absolutely be a major consideration. Totally. Um, Lock could change between now and then, but yeah. So I, lots of podcasts will come before, at, as we get in training camp and in the season. But at, at this stage, barring any like additions at the position, I would say depth at linebacker is one of the biggest question marks, not just on the defense, but on the whole team. Yeah. Yeah. And the same cannot be said about the secondary, which remains the defense's strength. Um, we're three deep at cornerback. Um, Lattimore, Paulson Adebo, and Alante Taylor. It seems like there's going to be a battle for that second starting cornerback spot between Taylor and Adebo. And the reports that Bradley Roby as well. And well, people on forget the he's there, yeah. yeah. Right. But, you know, Taylor could be a nickel. It seems like he was being cross trained during minicamp. Um, so we're in a good spot. This week, there was like that. Instagram post um, that I think came from ESPN that ranked the best cornerbacks in the NFL and Lattimore came in at seventh, which seems a little low to me, Yeah, but you know how I feel about these rankings. It's like, who gives a fuck? Like it doesn't really mean anything to us. All that matters is that Lattimore is really good and he's on our team and whatever some beat reporter in New York thinks about him doesn't matter. It's meaningless and stupid and people will forget as soon as the games actually start. Yeah. I think a lot of that potentially could have to do with like, what have you done for me lately? And he missed a lot of games last year. And then funny enough, his first game back was, was that, that Eagles game where he has the game winning game ceiling pick six. So um, yeah, I mean, I think definitely a lot of people are sleeping on lat. Um, and uh, I think we can expect, like, I mean, health willing, like a, a great, great year for him. Um, another year in the system with Marcus May and, and Tyron Matthew. So hopefully we should see some better safety play there. We didn't mention, though, that uh, Marcus May is himself also facing a particular expen- uh, suspension right. for his DUI from, like, I think it's like th- almost three years ago at this point. So um, that could be an issue hanging over the team, but uh, hopefully however long it is, isn't too long. And um, people are really high on the, on the Jordan Howden out of Minnesota draft pick um, that we mentioned earlier. Um, Hopefully he doesn't have to play a ton, but 
Uh, he's definitely an intriguing player that uh, if pressed into duty, I think he won't be a, a disaster for however long Marcus May is out. And PJ Williams, the prodigal son, is still a free agent. And so I wouldn't be shocked if we brought him back. But uh, we also signed, uh, some, took some flyers on Jonathan Abram, who was a, a former first-round pick. Uh, he has a bunch of starting experience in the league. He could fill in as well. Um, an, another one of our uh, uh, redshirt freshmen, as, as I like to say, uh, Smoke Monday, um, who was injured uh, actually last year as a, as an undrafted rookie, people are high on him as well. So, um, and I think Ugo, Ugo Amadi, um, he, uh, has a Super Bowl ring with the, with the chiefs, but, uh, he has some starting experience as well. So, uh, I think we'll, we'll be okay. in if, uh, Marcus may does miss a couple games and hopefully the injuries don't come along as well, but there is summed up there in the secondary for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, not really worried about May's suspension. He yeah, uh, probably two probably two games, just like PJ Williams got a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, and PJ Williams, like you said, remains lurking on the streets, ready to fill in at a moment's notice. That's right. Yeah, I'm kind well, of like surprised we didn't bring him back. Right, how, I am how, too. Considering how good he's been for us, right? So spot. versatile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, both safety positions, he can play nickel, like outside corner in like in a, a desperate pinch, but um, yeah. So we'll see. I, I, we'll see what happens with old PJ Williams, but, um, but yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, I think the depth at our corner and nickel that we have right now is at least on paper, maybe the best ever in saints history. Um, we, we talked about how good Marshawn is, but uh, there's a ton of uh, promise in uh, Alante Taylor and, Paulson Adebo, who did have a rough sophomore season, definitely had a sophomore slump. Um, I think he had a bad ankle sprain in in training camp. After what all the beat reporters in attendance said, like they named him like the MVP of camp. So seeing him uh, struggle once he did get back on the field was was pretty disappointing. But uh, yeah. that was that was tempered by the excitement of of Alante Taylor, who um, had some ups and downs when he was pressed into into some major snap duty but um there's a lot of promise there obviously and uh and then yeah you still got bradley roby um probably being our starting nickel but uh between those four guys uh those three uh db spots should be in pretty good hands yeah uh we could talk about special teams but i don't really care you know so i feel I, like it's <laughs> it'll be a problem if it's a problem and then we'll we'll shit on the kicker, whoever that is. But it, you know, yeah, they did bring so in competition. They did. So honestly, it it is like largely whatever. But um, Gillikin and Will Lutz, I think they're like kicking and punting for their jobs uh, this training camp. I, I would agree um, with that. They both had down years last year, and I think if we had better play out of both of them, we win one or two more games, to be honest. Um, Will Lutz, as much as we love him, he's regressed like every year, the last like four years since he made the Pro Bowl. Um, he obviously missed like two years ago with his, I think it was a groin injury. Um, but yeah, even being, he, had, that, he had unsuccessful sports hernia surgery right. and they exactly. had to correct it. I mean, as I can tell you firsthand, 
you are never the same after that shit. Yeah. So, so man. Yeah. So, and, and, but even in the, in the couple of seasons before that, he's, he's been on like kind of a steady regression in terms of his, uh, conversion percentage, uh, on field goals. Um, and, uh, and last year he struggled. He missed, he definitely missed some, some makeable kicks that, um, I think ended up costing us a couple games and Blake Gilkin as well. Uh, he was, he was exciting as a rookie and uh, played well enough for us to feel comfortable moving on from Thomas Morstead. But uh, he had some, some shanks. It costly times last year and yeah. you just can't afford that level of inconsistency. I mean, you don't need to be like dropping coffin corner punts every, uh, every time out, but uh, shanking when you're backed up, on your own in your own territory and putting your defense on a short field is like, I think that's a cardinal sin for a punter. I mean, say nothing of like dropping the punt and like giving up a touchdown or safety, but uh, yeah, he, uh, he hurt us in a couple games last year and um, they both need to be better. <laughs> they brought in um, Lou Headley, who's like a 30 year old rookie Australian tatted up uh, just like, maniac looking guy to compete at the punter spot and uh, a guy named Blake groupie who I honestly know nothing about, but to complete, to compete with Will Lutz. So, um, I mean, I, I mean, we all love Will Lutz, but uh, he, he's got to bounce back this training camp and, and in the preseason too. And honestly, probably into the early regular season. Like um, I think, I mean, just going back to what we were talking about earlier, DA, for all of his faults, he's no dummy. Like he knows the get down and that this is it for him. And I don't think he's willing to risk his job on a kicker that he doesn't trust, even one that has some like great history with the organization. So um Yeah, the yeah. best man will win that job for sure. For sure. Whether for it's sure. Lutz or somebody else. Lou Headley looks like Fezco from Euphoria. Man, that is a deep cut reference that I do not get, but I will trust you on that one. Oh, man. Well, that's a discussion for another day. All right. Sean, would you like to uh, ad-lib and ad-read for the podcast to see if we can uh, source an advertiser from one of our like 1.5 listeners? Yeah, man. Sure. Uh, if you're a successful up and coming kicker in the New Orleans area and need some fans to follow you around, call Groupies Groupies, uh, the number one groupie supplier for backup kickers. Groupies Groupies, <laughs> providing groupies since 2023. Man. You just continue to amaze me every time you Thanks, make up man. one of these. I was worried right. there for a second, but I was able to land the plane. All right. I'm sure we'll be back, uh, hopefully with Allison, um, once training camp begins, unless there's some sort of catastrophic or randomly epic piece of news that happens between now and the end of July when camp opens. Uh, but until then, this has been Black and Gold BS, the irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media. I'm Jacob Krasno, alongside Sean Haspel. And until then, who dat? Who dat?